Hi, this is Brent Barber, the founding director of the Bicycle Film Festival, and this is Resonance FM. Ride on until the break of dawn, because you don't stop. Uh -uh. Santa, I make my runs about the break of day. They call me back door Santa. I make my runs about the break of day. Oh, oh, oh. I make all the little girls happy while the boys are out to play. Look at him. Come but once a year. Oh, 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 oh. I ain't like old Saint Nick. He don't come but once a year. But look at here. I come running with my presence every time you call me dear. Look at here. I keep some change in my pocket. Well, this is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. And as promised, we are back in London after a sojourn in Berlin and then Brussels, cycling around two great bicycling cities on the continent of Europe. But we're very much back at Denmark Street today. And um, joining me in the studio is Therese Bjorn, um, bike show kind of regular now. It's getting that way, isn't it? Am I? <laughs> What a status. Welcome to the show. And we're going to be talking about Christmas things. Um, we've not done this before, but, you know, kind of stuff that you can buy your loved ones for Christmas if they're bicyclists or if, if you're a bicyclist and you want to offer something delicious and seductive to get a loved one or a family member onto their bicycles. We're going to discuss the kind of things that are good and uh, the kind of things that are bad. We're also going to be looking at a new bicycle which is being launched um, or has been launched by Velarution, the uh, fabulous bicycle shop um, the London Scorcher but we'll come to that in a in a moment. You've got Christmas plans, are you going to be riding over the Christmas, are you going to be in London over the Christmas period? I'm going to be in Denmark it was going to be quite cold but I'll probably still be riding. So you're going to be icebound in Denmark? <laughs> it's possible it'll be interesting riding in that um, keeping the calories under control. I was out with Patrick Field today who said he was getting ready for the Paris-Brest Paris next year and he's had a target weight that he needed to get to by the end of the year. I don't know if that was just kind of talk, but he, uh, he, was, he was watching his calories. I don't know how easy that is for <laughs> cyclists to do over the, over the winter period. But anyway, buying a bicycle um, is something that a lot of people do. It's the classic kind of Christmas present, isn't it? Um, you, you're a kid and, and your dad or mum comes in with a bicycle. Um, there's a terrifically funny comedy sketch which we're going to play now by um, the Latino-American comic George Lopez um, and it's basically just called The Bicycle. And whatever you wanted it was no. Grandma, can I? No! <laughs> you don't even know what it is. The answer is no. I know your face and no. Or you would want something and they would tell you, all right, get it, mira. But that's the last thing you're gonna ever fucking ask me. 
How old are you? Nine? Okay, mira, think about it porque you got a long life. If you want the skates, get them, but that's it. Never mind. Okay, let's go. Team leader, you can't even walk. You're gonna walk with wheels, cabrón, nombre? You're loco. I don't got time to teach you either. You know or you don't know. And then when your dad would buy you a bike, you know, other parents would buy kids bikes and it already come assembled with the helmet waiting on the handlebars. Josh, that's yours. You really mean it, father? Us, your dad's half drunk on Christmas, dragging the box in the living room. Yeah. Hey, Migo, that's the bike you wanna. Why are you crying? Those better be tears of joy, cabrón. Mira, I had to pull that fucking bike all the way from the garage. They say huffy ahí porque I'm huffing right now. I can barely get air. I see huffing. They must know how far you had to pull it. They put it on the back. Huffing. Mira, we're gonna put it together, but right now I'm feeling good. Right now. Tomorrow. But right now, ya estoy poco. Uh, I drank at work and then I came home and I'm already, como, como dice, lightheaded. So your dad finally puts the bike together and there's parts left over. And big ones too, you know. Get on. Well, no, no, get on, there's still a part. Mira, get, mira, cabrón. Get on and we'll see what happens. If it runs good, then we won't, mira, a lot of times they send extra parts. As a precautionary measure, mira. But uh, where the where where the training wheels, cabrón? Training wheels. You're up. Mira, how old are you? Four. You don't need training. Mira, no, four years old, and you get us training wheels. Oh my God, I can't believe. Mira, no. When I was two, I was already driving a fucking car over the grapevine, carrying grapes from Fresno. Four years old, you can't ride a bike. Mira, I, I'll teach you, you learn like that. A la volada. Así. Mira, get on. Your feet don't touch the pedal. The way I teach you, they don't need to. Mira, when the pedal comes up, push it back down. And when it comes back up again, push it down. And keep pushing it down. Don't let it hit you in the back of the leg, but it's gonna cut you, but I'll push it. You don't even need both legs. Just one. Mira, let me hold the handlebars. Mira. Go to the car and wait for me. Ready? One. I'm gonna 
on three, one, two. <laughs> like that! Push the pedal down! Push the pedal! ¿Qué pasó, viejo? Mira, he's going. He fell on the grass. He's all right. What are you looking at me for? ¿Qué pasó? You're crying? You want to go to McDonald's? All right, then. You want a happy meal? Well, then get happy, cabrón. Well, that was George Lopez recounting a kind of unfortunate childhood experience. I don't know how much of that was based in truth. Have you ever been given a bicycle for Christmas, Therese? No, I wish I had. That would have been a wonderful gift. I think I had a, ended up with a hand-me-down, red, battered thing, but I, I cherished it nevertheless. And um, there does seem to be a lot of really bad bicycles out there aimed for kids for the Christmas market. Oh, that's totally, that's, that's very true. I mean, we, in many of the bike shops I've worked in, people come in exactly like that, that store just now, where they have to assemble it themselves and they want us to do it at the shop. And we just go, no, we can't help you. Because they bought it from a catalogue or something. Exactly. And, um, you know, we don't really want to touch it because the, it tends to be such low quality <laughs> that we end up, <laughs> it comes up apart rather than together i mean yeah that's one of the things we want to going to be talking about um on the show today there's kind of should you be buying stuff that isn't well made you know is it a false economy for yourself and also you know what are the ethical implications nowadays there's a kind of global economy and um stuff is being produced all over the world in in factories that you don't necessarily know what the working conditions are like if it's good for the people who are working there and things like that i mean i guess a lot of the new bikes on the market around about the hundred pound mark or hundred dollars that are just ridiculously cheap are made um, in chinese factories nothing necessarily wrong with that but they're made so poorly um, and if you look at the kind of corner cutting that there is on componentry um, and even the frame itself if you're buying a mountain bike um, with full suspension for a hundred pounds there's got to be some corners being cut and not only in the machine itself but presumably in the conditions of the people who are working uh, in that factory as well well absolutely i mean you i would recommend anyone to think about both both things but i mean it just it's just common sense that if you buy something that's a hundred pounds and it looks grand in the catalog it's just not going to be like that and in the longer term, you really save yourself a lot of hassle by buying something that's good quality. Or buying something that's recycled, like a second-hand bike, and that you can sort of spruce up a bit. But second-hand stuff tends to be stuff that was good quality in the first place. Otherwise, it wouldn't have lasted they that long. Last, it wouldn't have lasted that long. I mean, what can you do if you're buying a second-hand bike, but, you know, giving somebody a second-hand bike, it's not, you know, it doesn't have the same sort of sheen does it of newness as a as as under the christmas tree as a, as a brand new bike but you can do quite a lot to a bicycle to bring it you know bring it new life in with with not too much money if you're a bit of a you know handy with the uh, with the tools um i mean i think you can put on you can put on new bar tape i mean obviously you could take the frame um and get it re- uh, repainted um, you can put new mud guards on, uh, things like that, and kind of. I mean, there's a whole fashion now of people. It seems to be buying second-hand uh, road bikes from the 70s and 80s, and kind of converting them into into like run-around town bikes. Uh, particularly if you only want one gear. I mean, that could be a way to go. 
Yeah, that's that's fairly straightforward. You can definitely make changes um, that you don't need specialized tools for, such as you said, mud guards, handlebar tape, whatever. If you need to do it up a little bit more or maybe in depth, then you then there's the problem of having the right tools. So you don't want to be doing that at home. And if you wanted to give somebody a present but wasn't actually a material thing, you know, at Christmas we do end up stuffing our houses full of things that we don't actually want, new, new useless objects. Um, if you've got a bicycling friend, you know, you could just buy them a, uh, a full service down at your local bike shop as a, as a Christmas present. That's something that I'd like for my bike. That's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> or if you're a dab hand yourself, you could offer uh, to, to do the service yourself, although I'm not quite sure how well that would be, <laughs> that would be received or you'd be seen as being a little bit tight. <laughs> Turning away from bicycles, um, I mean, a big budget item, I suppose, for a lot of people now is the bag that they use um, to get their stuff around um, in the town. Um, you know, if you're commuting, um, what kind of bags there are. There seems to be all, all different kinds of bags from your kind of traditional cotton caradice saddle bags through to kind of waterproof panniers and, um, and the ultra hip messenger bags. Um, on the messenger bags, I mean, there's an, a huge profusion of, of bags out there, um, but there's a company that you bought your bag from that perhaps deserves special mention on the show. Yes, I think a pack bag from Canada is, is quite unusual. Um, it's a small operation. You call up Pat from Pack Bag and you order your bag. And the choices are limitless, which can be quite difficult at times because, you know, all the colors in the world, all the combinations. So they, they make them to order, do they? They make them to order. They also have some suggestions on the websites of having special sewing on them or pictures made on them and so on. And what's special about them is that they are, they're incredibly durable and the more stuff you put in them, strangely enough, the more comfortable they are. So if you're a courier or you carry a lot of stuff around in town, such as laptop and whatever, then they're, they're the ones to go for, for sure. And they come several sizes, I'm sure, and they also have a second strap that comes over your right shoulder. So it's almost like a backpack. Oh, really? Yeah. So you don't get that kind of hunchback effect of having all the weight on one shoulder. I mean, I've got a... A, a bag like that which I think is just basically destroying my skeleton <laughs> you know it's, it's like day by day you know kind of getting worse and worse night's sleep and then the other day I was sort of feeling like I was coming getting numb in my left hand and then I, I, I started using a, a, an old rucksack for a couple of weeks and everything kind of readjusted itself back to normal. It gets a little bit of um a Getting used to, I guess, using that, that second strap, it, it almost forms a cross on you because you have the straps coming underneath your arms as well. I had an accident a couple of years ago and I damaged my left shoulder. That's when I started using that other strap so it would put more weight on the other shoulder. But I love the bag. So they're durable. <laughs> How long have you had yours for? Oh, it must be seven years now. And it still absolutely works fine. It hasn't worn any holes or anything like that. No holes. I've just waterproofed it a couple of times. You know, some Gore-Tex spray and, and in the tumble dryer. And there you go. Well, as endorsed by London messenger or former messenger, Therese Bjorn. And, um, you know, can't say fairer than that. How much do they cost? They're not cheap, but they'll last a long time. Yeah, I don't think they're cheap. I think they're... Um a couple hundred Canadian dollars, mind you, the pound is quite strong at the moment. 
So take advantage of the strong pound and uh, yeah, buy a pack bag. Listening to Resonance 104.4 FM. This is the Bike Show, and we're doing something of a Christmas special this week. Looking at things that you might want to buy for the festive bicyclist. And um, if you're feeling really, really, really generous, and you wanted to give uh, someone a whole new bicycle, um, you could do a lot worse than look at a new bicycle that's been launched on the London market called the Scorcher. And um, we might feel like we're going through a cycling boom right now um, in 2007, well 2006 turning into 2007 with uh, the Tour de France coming to London, record numbers of people on the streets of London on their bicycles. But actually the real golden age of cycling in London was in the 1890s and this was when there were all kinds of young men careering around the streets of London um, on bicycles that became known as scorchers and, and these were very fast speedy machines that were in contrast to the kind of upright gentleman's bicycle of the of the previous era kind of the penny farthing style bicycle with the very big front wheel and the the, the tiny little wheel at the back but these were these were wheel, uh, bicycles these scorchers with um uh, both wheels the same size anyway the london bicycle shop velarution which um has been a great uh, uh hit uh, as far as the bike show is concerned since it's been open has gone into the business of making its own bikes um, and I asked Andrea Casalotti, who runs Velarution, when they first came up with the idea of the Scorcher. About uh, a year ago, uh, we started uh, importing the Dutch bikes and uh, German bikes. Our model is, uh, rather than uh, Holland, is more uh, uh, Denmark, where you'll see much faster bikes. And I think London uh, will be more like Copenhagen than Amsterdam. And so we needed a, a, a fast commuter bike, which was not though, which was still, which had a bit of you know, also Danish identity, or not a Danish identity, but a Danish uh, uh, flair as far as design, but actually had a London identity. So what do you think is wrong with the kind of commuter bikes that there are on the streets of London? First of all, technically, they're over engineered as far as number of gears. They, uh, you know, our workshop here 
makes well good business by needing to needing needing to change uh, chains and sprockets on a regular basis to uh, people with uh, you know 21 gears. Where in London, um, you know, three or eight certainly are more than enough. And then they look. You know, all the same. Often they're sold without mud guards. Uh, often they're sold without lights. So we wanted a bike which was uh, fully fitted with everything that one needs in a city. Uh, fast, light, and uh, good looking. So we've got a couple of the Scorcher models in front of us here. Uh, talk me through these. Okay, well, the start is a good frame, a frame that is a steel, steel frame, so with all the qualities of steel, uh, light. Then the second part is uh, good wheels, uh, hand-built by our star mechanic, uh, Andrea. And, uh, a lot of spokes. A lot of spokes, yes. Uh, 36 spokes? Yep. The second source of uh, revenue for our workshop is uh, people who come with uh, broken spokes. And uh, so we basically we have made a a bike that is going to send uh, workshops uh, is going to bankrupt the workshops because it's a bike that you know requires very little servicing as all the bikes we sell here the third is uh, uh, the third bit is a nice crank uh, i think the uh, crank uh, gives a certain character to the bike then we added uh, uh, a bit of leather. So you've got the Brooks saddle there and the leather um, ends on the handlebars. Yes, uh, the leather grips. The grips, after all, are the only skin-to-skin -skin contact you have with the bike. Uh, so they are, you know, they're important. Why put uh, some rubberized uh, things? Unless for ethical reasons you don't want to use leather. And the final touch is uh, these uh, aluminum uh, mud guards, uh, which we get from Denmark. Our standard models we painted in so this battleship gray. So you've got a, a single speed model, and then a three speed, and then a, um, what's that, an eight speed? That's right. Uh, so this, the single speed is uh, you know, for the, the trendy urbanite you know, with uh, moustache handlebars. And uh, the three-speed is the classic everyday bike with a three-speed Sturmey Archer hub gears. They got uh, hub brakes, hub gears, hub dynamo, so everything internal in the hub. There is a myth that uh, in town you want to run, you ride a ugly bike so that you don't get, uh, get it stolen. There are statistics that say you know, cheap bikes are more likely to get stolen than, than expensive bikes. The majority of thieves are uh, opportunistic thieves. They just go around and they want to find something that they can sell quickly. And uh, so it's easier to sell, let's say, a hundred pound bike, hundred pounds worth bike for 40 quid then you know, try to sell you know, a 500 pound bike, uh, pounds bike uh, for the same amount because I mean, it's, it's a clearly a stolen bike. You know, and uh, my argument is not that people should have expensive bikes. My argument is people should have nice looking bikes. And because if you're riding in the city and then uh, you're parking the bike on a bike stand, uh, you're leaving something, uh, you're altering the cityscape and everybody is going to see that. You don't put rubbish on, on, the, on, the, on the pavement. 
you don't put rubbish on the bike stand. Non-rubbish doesn't mean that you have to buy an expensive bike. I'm saying, you know, the bike, you know, you should take care of the look of the bike. So the Scorcher is a, look, a good looking bike. Well, it's all very well having a look at it. Can I take it out for a spin? Certainly. Let's have a go on the, uh, the classic three-speed with the uh, hub everything. Very good. Okay. Well, I did take the bike for a spin, and uh, Therese is sitting on the edge of her seat waiting for the verdict, the <laughs> definitive verdict of the bike show um, on the Scorcher because uh, she had a hand in its design. Um, and I have to say, they look fantastic. Um, actually, not unlike the bike that I've been riding around um, town for a long time with the with the moustache handlebars you know a good old steel frame um and yeah pretty decent uh i thought the the hub everything was very good the hub brakes really feel like they're gripping the road and they feel like they'd be very <coughs> efficacious um in the rain which is often a problem in london uh, when you're cycling and everything gets a bit wet and you don't you don't stop as fast as you might like to stop um and yeah low maintenance i thought the Geometry was a little bit hunched for me. I was a little bit, you know, squashed in there. But Andrea was convinced, uh, was assured me that um, I, I would get used to that. And I'm not sure whether I should be getting used to the bike or, you know, the bike should be getting used to me. Well, maybe um, it wasn't the right size. They could be part of the problem. That could. Well, it would seem to be right in the other sense. It was just a bit short in the uh, mm. in the in the t in the top tube there. <laughs> but generally a good bike. Although I have to say, coming in at 800 and some odd pounds, um, rather expensive. Yeah, I guess comparatively expensive. What you're getting is is not one of those three models. What I tend to get people to do when they come in is choose their own bike. So I want them to look at the three models we have, the three-speed, the eight-speed, the single-speed, and put together their own bike. Okay, so it's like a custom option, but, but it's not yeah. custom-built frame. It's not custom-built frame, but you can still customize it to yeah. quite a long stand with color and handlebars, wheels, whatever. Yeah, well, no, it's definitely, it's definitely good. And it's good to be steel frames uh, made in the Czech Republic, I think, are they? That's right. Yeah, not coming all the way um, in a container ship from the Far East. Um, and also steel, I think probably having a slightly lower carbon footprint than aluminium i'm not sure if anyone's actually looked into the carbon footprints of bicycles because obviously everyone thinks oh it's much better to be on a bike and a bike <coughs> uses uh, like far less energy and costs uh, contains far less raw materials than a car but you know i suppose you can make distinctions between bikes um, in terms of what they're made of I'm sure there was some magazine, ethical magazine, that, that did something like that a couple of years ago. It's worth looking, looking, looking at, into. Looking yeah. at whether aluminium um, was worse. I know certainly aluminium takes a lot of energy to, to smelt, but um, I suppose steel does too. I guess, again, this is another uh, reason to like recondition an old bike that's already been made rather than paying for a new one to be made. Um, well, that's a good point. I mean, I get quite a few people in, like you were suggesting earlier, that you can convert your bike to single speed and make it more like an urban bike. And um, we're quite happy to do that at the shop. We have someone in right now who we are having the, we're spraying the frame, we're changing it to his requirements. So there's, there's no reason why you can't do that. Yeah, that's a good way to go. So, and other things uh, for the bicycling Christmas, um, there's obviously bicycle lights, nice accessories, um, although I'm, I've been having like, internal conflict about whether I should be riding with a dynamo these days because um, I just worry about all those batteries going into the, going into the landfill and leaching out terrible heavy metals into the, uh, into the water system. Um, I suppose I could have rechargeable ones, but I think they're quite 
bad and rechargeable batteries tend to just die on you really quickly. Yeah, there's that about batteries, isn't there? I mean, coming from Denmark, it's completely unheard of that you don't recycle your batteries, I have to say. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a place to do that, is there? Yeah, you would go to your local supermarket. Actually, some of the the ethical stores here, such as um, Planet Organic and so forth, I'm sure they recycle batteries. Um, when it comes to dynamos, I mean, there are two systems. There's the one where you have a bottle that sits and, and presses towards the tire. And for me, I find that very unreliable. <laughs> I'm thinking of my childhood now of trying to mend uh, bottle dynamos in the hallway while the ice is stripping off the bike in the middle of the winter. The other thing is, is having a dynamo hub, which is much more, more convenient. Much more effective. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming towards the end of the show now. Um, thanks very much for sharing your uh, Santa's little helper Christmas tips all the way from Denmark. I don't know, but Santa, Santa's not Danish, is he? Or is he Danish from Greenland? Oh, yeah, he or is. Is, obviously. is he Swedish? No, I don't know. <laughs> this is probably some area of diplomatic conflict in, in Scandinavia that, that I don't even know about. But anyway, uh, we're going to play out now with the Nutcracker Suite, or an excerpt of it, played entirely on bicycle parts, uh, courtesy of the great people at Specialized. Until next week, chapeau and Merry Christmas. to the bike show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Next up, the clear spot presented by Frank Howling. I've been...